This is Bucket Talk, a weekly podcast for people who work in the trades and construction that aren't just trying to survive, but have the ambition and desire to thrive. The opportunity in the trades and construction is absolutely ridiculous right now. So if you're hungry, it's time to eat. We discuss what it takes to rise from the bottom to the top with people who are well on their way and roll up their sleeves every single day. All right. We're here with Evan Stager. Evan Stager goes by the Instagram handle Metal Polisher three eight two six. I've been following your content for a long time, and it's it's definitely satisfying. You know, I've I've done it myself, and and I don't care to do it. But um, for those <laughs> out there that that love that that clean finished look and that that satisfaction this is the podcast for them and luckily for me most don't like it so that keeps me in business i like it <laughs> there you go do the things that other people don't want to do That's i right. mean i think that there, there's something to be said about that but um so i'd like to start it off let's let's get a basic introductory of of evan and you know where <laughs> you're based out of your background and uh how you got your start in metal polishing so Currently, I live in Chilton, Wisconsin. Uh, that's where my shop is. That's where my home is. Um, I met my wife in 2002. Um, I grew up in a little town called Campbellsport. It was a little town of like 2,000 people. Uh, not a whole lot of industrial business there. A few trucking companies, that kind of stuff. But um, I moved to Chilton here in 2002. I was already doing what I was doing by then. But my wife, she was the farmer's favorite daughter and didn't want to leave the area. So we uh, planted planted new roots here in Chilton. I'm now married for a number of years. I got a couple of couple of beautiful girls at home. Um, but honestly, starting off in Campbellsport, like there weren't a whole lot of jobs you could do. So you either worked on a farm, or you went into town and worked at one of the restaurants or the gas station or something like that. So as soon as I get my work permit, I think it was like 13 years old. Um, I went and got my workers permit because I'd been working on farms since I was 12, but. Um, when I turned 13, I could get a work permit. I went and started working at a local trucking company in town. Um, they had a fleet of trucks. It was probably like 15, maybe 20 trucks. Uh, when I was there, uh, they're much larger now, but, um, when I was there, all the trucks would be home every weekend. So all those trucks needed to get washed every weekend. And that fleet had a pretty nice group of trucks that were pretty cool looking. And I had applied there. They hired me in to work every weekend. We'd work every, uh, Friday after school, and then Saturday morning, Sunday morning, and just try to get a whole fleet done in the weekend if you could, whatever was there anyways. And uh, started working there, started falling in love with semis. I had no truckers in my family. My dad was a welder for almost 40 years. Um, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. She was a forklift operator when before she started having kids. So hard work and dedication was part of my life growing up because my parents were both right. super hard workers so they pushed that into me and I my grandpa lived on a farm and uh he he was the guy I spent most of my my childhood with my my dad worked a lot of hours to keep the bills paid so mom could stay home and raise us and my dad my grandpa put a lot of work ethic into me too the long hard hours on the farm and you know picking stones and driving tractor and you know doing all the all the normal farm activities but um so I started off as a really hard worker and I was always kind of hungry. I always liked making money. So if I wasn't working there, um, I started picking up another job. There was a dump truck company that my mom had gone to school with the guy. And the uh, the dump truck company also washed trucks, but they did that during the week. So I would, um, I would go there and wash his trucks during the week. And then I would wash that fleet stuff on the weekends after school, of course. And um, 
as soon as I got turned 15, I got my work permit, uh, my driver's license. And um, the bigger city was like 30 minutes away. It was called Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. And uh, my cousin was working at an industrial truck wash there where um, there was two bays. You could bring semis in and get them washed. And uh, I, I started working there as soon as I could drive. Uh, the pay was better. It was more stable hours. I could go there every day after school. Um, and we worked every other weekend. So uh, they were pretty flexible with their with their uh, hours. And working there, I got in touch with a lot of really, really cool trucks. Like it started getting out of control, like some of the show trucks that would drive through there because it was an old school hand wash. So a lot of the guys came there. And um, every summer there was truck polishers out in the truck stop parking lot polishing on trucks. And I started seeing what they were doing. And I was like, dude, that's kind of cool. Like that instant gratification of watching a truck go from shit to shine. I don't know if I say that on here, but the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, uh, the shit to shine was pretty amazing to watch. And, um, one of my buddies was into, into the truck shows and his dad had a truck. So, um, we decided to polish his truck for the local show that year. Um, and that was, uh, 98 and, um, that guy won a, won a bunch of trophies at the show and I was hooked. And then, um, I thought I didn't start polishing until 2000. I've been telling everybody 2000, but last week, one of my really good customers stopped by and dropped some parts off. And he's like, no, you polished my truck back in 98 already. I'm like, oh my God, that's two years longer than I thought already. I'm, I've been doing this a long time. So in 98, when that happened, I fell in love with it. Um, I ended up working at that truck wash until 2005. Um, but I, in the meantime, I was going to college. Um, I was still working. I was polishing on the weekends. I was just a workaholic. And um so college, I was going to school to be an industrial engineer. Uh, I was also majoring in psychology. Uh, I got an apprenticeship for psychology wow. and I hated it because every time I talked to somebody and they'd tell me how bad their life was, I would go home and feel for them. I'd feel bad for them. And I couldn't handle that. Uh, the industrial engineering, I got an apprenticeship doing that. I got sick of sitting in the office all day. And I was like, this isn't for me either. And the polishing was still doing really well on the side. And, uh, I loved working at the truck wash and I'm, I'm grateful this situation isn't the way it would have played out, but I had asked my boss for a, a dollar raise and he had told me there wasn't any money in the wash and business wasn't that good. And I worked there. Like I was there all the time. I picked up all the overtime I could get. I knew he was making money. <laughs> like yeah, I knew he was doing well and minimum wage had gone up twice and I hadn't gotten a raise and I asked him for a raise and he just said, no, it's, we just don't have it in the budget right now. And then um, the next day, he bought a brand new sailboat and came in with it. And I handed in my two-week notice. And on the last day of my two weeks, the boss said to me, he goes, you know, when this polishing thing doesn't work out, you can, come, you can always come back. And uh, that has been my biggest motivator of remembering that statement was that not if it doesn't work, it was when it doesn't work, you can always come back. And that was 05. So in 05, I had quit my job at the truck wash, started full time. Uh, I got married to my wife. Uh, that was June that I quit. We had just bought a house in like March. Um, and we got married in August that year. And then the recession hit 08, 09. <laughs> It was, it was, uh, some tough times, but we hunkered yeah. down. I worked at a movie store for 
a couple winters to just get myself through the winter because polishing slow. What's slow-. that? Yeah. Yeah, you don't even know what those are anymore. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I'm old enough to remember them, but yeah. But I'm polishing, sure some of our listeners don't even. <laughs> right, right. Polishing slows down in the winter. And um, back then anyways, now we stay steady through the winter. Our, our name's yeah. grown enough that we stay steady through the winter. And I got a lot of contract accounts that we do a lot of wheels for in the winter through our wheel machines. But um, back then, you had to find something to, to stay by. So you like a squirrel you pack your nuts away all spring summer and fall so that you can survive the winter or find a job in the winter to survive and 08 and 09 were some tough times for everybody really yeah and um yeah i remember I, I've, I've honestly never eaten ramen noodles but i had a lot of mac and cheese and a lot of hot dogs sliced open and fried right <laughs> it was uh yeah it was some it was some troubling times but we survived 08 09 and um my wife was me on the side she was also working in a nursing home um she was working at mcdonald's and then um she went full-time at the nursing home we decided that uh we're gonna start having kids and we had our first and i was i would get up early in the morning i would work mornings and then i would come home and take care of the little one in the afternoon she'd go work afternoons we worked opposite shifts so we could survive and um all of a sudden my business just like exploded and we were just super busy i couldn't be home on time it, it was a struggle because we were just so busy all the time. So we started hiring babysitters and the babysitter thing wasn't working out. There was a couple of situations we ran into. And uh, I told my wife, I'm like, you know what? They kept cutting her hours at work. And I'm like, why don't you just quit and be a stay-at-home mom for the amount of time that you're spending there and the little bit of money you're bringing home after we're paying a babysitter or daycare or whatever. I'm like, I can work like two extra hours a day in one week and make enough money for you to stay home. Well, we did that. And instead of me working just two hours, one day a week to (laughs) cover her salary, I started working 16 hour days. And um, then uh, fast forward to, I think it was 2012. Hold on, I got a tattooed on my arm. Uh, (laughs) 2013, I put my daughter's birthdays on my arm. So that my youngest, Uh, I bought my shop. I bought my shop. I tattooed my tattooed my wedding ring, but it has the date on it. So yeah, so I got a. I'll never forget. I got a full sleeve on my arm. I got our wedding date. I got my kids' birthdays on there. So if I got to take them to the doctor, I know their birthday. So I'm terrible about that stuff, dude. That is the actually. That's funny that you say that because like, I I turn to my eight year old. I'm like, what's your birthday? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what year were you born? Oh yeah, the nurse is asking. I always felt so terrible. I'm like, hold on, I got to call my wife. I know what their birth date is. I don't know what the year Correct. is. I'm like, I never knew what the year was. Call my wife, and I'm like. I was sitting down with my tattoo artist when we were laying out my sleeve and uh, I'm like, you know what? I just want to put like a post-it note right on my forearm, you know, with like their birth dates on it. So like I constantly remember it, you know, and so we did and it, it worked out really well. But um, so yeah, 2013, we bought my shop, which was like two minutes away from my house. And here in Chilton, Chilton's heavy industrial. Um, Worthington Cylinders is right behind us. They build all the burns propane torches. Um, okay. KT, which does all the birdseed and small animal foods and beddings and stuff. They're right here in town. Okay. Um, Breeze Industries, who does all the malting for the big beer companies, and they make the world's malted milk balls. That's all right here. Um, MB- the world's malted milk balls. world's huh? malted milk balls, yep. <laughs> if you if you bought, like, milk duds or any of that stuff, it all comes from right here. 
Um, and I'm surprised they're still being made. And most of your beers are here too. You'd be surprised how yeah. many malted milk balls go out of this place. It's ridiculous. Really? It's crazy. And then uh, MB Company, if you've ever seen a snowblower or a sweeper at like an airport or any of the jumbo size stuff like that, they build all those right here yep. in Shelton, Wisconsin too. Okay, cool. So there's a lot of industrial and um, it's hard to find help because they all pay ridiculously good in the smaller sides of the trades like what I'm at. Yeah. Uh, it's it's harder to stay competitive with these guys paying 40, 50 bucks an hour. You know, it's it's a struggle. <laughs> But yeah. So uh, one one of the takeaways that I had, um, and I I could actually relate to it. And I want to get your your take on it. So when you were at the truck wash, um, I actually my first job in the automotive industry was working at a full serve gas station. Sure. And I actually had a hard time leaving the gas station because I I carved out a niche a niche for myself. I worked doing oil changes and stuff like that, and yeah. you're getting like eleven dollars an hour or whatever. It's no big deal. But my collateral duty was to go out to the pumps and pump gas when everybody showed up. So then yeah. I took it a, a step further and started washing windows. And now I was making more money in tips yeah. than I was at the job. And I'm like, I almost just want to pump gas the entire day versus being a mechanic. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that was kind of, that was kind of a cool thing that like I made ends meet early on um, yeah. as a, as a young person in the trades. And, I don't know. Does that does that equate to your your Dude, first startup? Hundred percent. I was I was working second shift because I had school, and then when I finally yeah. I graduated in two thousand, and um, I was polishing on the weekends already, and I, I started having some of my guys that I was polishing for asking me if I could do stuff during the week, but they didn't want to do it in the mornings. They wanted to do it in the afternoons when they were home, you know. And um, my tips were pretty good on second shift because our shift was always shorthanded. And a lot of my regular guys that came through certain days of the week, like they were always tipping us really good. And I'm like, man, I really hated to lose that. But our work was based on a commission base too. So like my base rate was, I think when I left there, I was making like eight fifty an hour. It was ridiculous. Right. But if you're, if we washed X amount of trucks a day and made X amount of dollars, you would get uh, either a 5% commission bump or a 10% commission bump split it by the crew. And the crew was always shorthanded. So if we ever made commission, it was big money. It was decent. Yeah. Um, but first shift made commission every day, all day. And I was like, you know, if I switched to first shift, I'd have better hours. I'd be there seven to three every day. And then on top of that, they, those guys get the same tips. Plus they get their commission all the time. Plus then it opens up the possibility to work in the afternoons. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. And I did. I switched to first shift. And yeah, the tips and the customers were what was worth it. Fast forward to now, a lot of those customers I had at the truck wash are customers I have polishing <laughs> now. So a lot of those, nice. a lot of those relationships that I made with those guys at the truck wash springboarded me into a better position when I went full time and started my own business. Another thing that you said too that that I've seen, um, it's 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 actually kind of poor practice. And for any business owners out there, um, especially younger business owners. Um, one of the things that, that is discouraging as an employee when, you know, they, uh, an employer talks out of one side of their mouth and says, you know, we, you know, we're going to cut your hours or, or no more overtime or what have you. Yep. And then on the flip side, they show up in a Chevelle or, <laughs> you know, something, something absolutely nice. And it's like, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't know what's going on in their life. Um, yeah, me neither. they could be, and it's none of my be cash poor or, or any of that, yep. but what I do want to say is, is that 
optics, right? Right. So it, the perception from the workers is going to leave a bad taste. Buy in yourself their mouth a when it comes beat to up it. Civic and drive back and forth to work every day. Like <laughs> hide it. I don't care. Just don't flaunt it in my face. You know. Put the put the boat yeah put the boat in the garage will you? <laughs> um, but yeah no I mean and and I've seen I've seen I've seen it and and I've had the, I had the conversations with the guys and I'm like you know you know you're it just is what it is and you know I totally understand and and some of some of the some of the employers don't actually realize what they're doing that yeah. you know because they see what what they're going through day to day yeah and and they may have things partitioned or what have you. But it it does it is a little discouraging when you when you do see that. And so, I had I had told um, my boss before I left. I said, you know, him and I kept a good relationship even after I left. And I said, you mm -hmm. know, if you had just given me a fifty cent raise, I'd have probably stayed. And I'm glad you didn't. I, I I'm really yeah. glad he didn't because it it motivated me to just push myself even further. But honestly, he he was never present. He only came if he was coming in to yell at somebody because somebody screwed something up but he never came and worked with us you know if we were shorthanded yeah. it was well sorry guys you know and uh i'm i'm the opposite like i i have nice things i mean i've i've worked hard to get my business to where i'm at and i i have a nice pickup you know i i have i have some toys but at the end of the day like i i hope that motivates some of the people that work for me to continue to want to do better for themselves because i i right. push my guys like i i want my guys to keep doing better and I want to, I want to give them more money. You know, I'm, I'm the flip side. Like if you show me that you are worth and bringing in ROI, return on investment, if you're bringing me yep. back ROI, I pass that on to my employees every time. My, yeah. my ladies that ship product out for us, um, their salary continues to grow and grow because they are doing more for me, more customer service or answering my emails for me, um, that are product related. Um, answering more of the phone calls, handling more of that stuff. Like I push on a lot of our profits to the employees because without them, I wouldn't have anything. And I've, I've worked and by on, myself. On the flip side. Yeah. And then on the flip side, I assume you're one of those guys that, you know, tough times, the skidoo is the first thing to go to retain some of your, some of your employees. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. No, I, I, uh, there was, there was some tough years there. Even in the last couple of years, there was a couple tough times where like, business wasn't great. And I just, I right. didn't give myself a check, you know, like I, I cut myself a check, like every business owner should. And yeah. I work with my guys. Like if you come by my shop and you get your truck polished, unless I'm gone on vacation, I am right there with my guys in the trenches, I've polishing I've stuff. I've seen it. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen the pictures of me completely covered in black and uh, I'm right there with my guys. So when, when times get tough, it sucks because I go to work to pay their paycheck, you know, but at the same time, I know that they're what keeps this place going. And if I had, right. if I had to sell my boat or if I had to sell my bike or something, I, I, I easily would to survive these tough times for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, that's, that's truly a valid, a valid point and, and something that, um, you know, every business owner should, should take to heart. I wish um, more did, but cause I think the, yeah. I think this industry is headed in a weird direction. Blue collar is really frowned upon and I don't understand why. And I'm lucky in the trucking industry because um, in the trucking industry, we love blue collar. Blue collar yeah. is what made America, you know, and um, this, I, I don't want to label or directly tag this next generation, but honestly, blue collar is so frowned upon because it's so easy 
to shake your tail on OnlyFans or whatever to make money yeah. that they don't have to respect the blue collar anymore. And honestly, it worries me like if blue collar continues to die off, what is there to build the next generation? I well, honestly so don't know what the answer a, is. I had a unique conversation with somebody and I didn't like the answer. Um, it was somebody I know from, from back home and they were an excavator. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm doing this endeavor, this trades and construction podcast. I want to bring more light to the trades. And he goes, why? And I was like, what? And he goes, I, I, I want the, I want to, I want the pick of the litter. You know, when I'm out there bidding a job, there's nobody bidding against me. He goes, I could charge whatever I want. There's no competition. And I'm like, I mean, it was an interesting perspective. I don't think that that's the greatest take on life. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it was a it was an interesting because here here I am as I talk to like minded people, and they they continually say like we have we have to fill the labor shortage. Um, you know, the infrastructure is going to die off. You know, people aren't going to be able to build houses or yeah or um get their vehicles fixed or what have you. Yeah. And um, here I am listening to this kid going, well. I mean, you do have a point. I, I don't know if it's the right point, but yeah, you do have a point. So I agree to some extent. Like, I understand that. I understand the fact of not wanting to have to compete with people and being able to right. price what you're worth or overprice what you're worth. Either way, I, I understand that 100%. But at the same time, I have 12 local competitors in my area here within an hour of me. And I turn work away every day, every day. Yeah. And I, nobody, I, very few people price shop me anymore. Like they'll ask me a price just so they can kind of prepare themselves for when they're here. But very rarely do I have somebody that like, oh, somebody else said they do it for such and such. Like I don't compete on that level. Like I don't compete with what your pricing is. I compete with myself and what I want to make every day. So I don't care what yeah. anybody else charges. If a guy down the street charges half my price, or if he charges three times my price, that doesn't weigh into what my pricing is. My pricing is based on what I want to make. So like, I don't know, I'm not in the construction trade, so I'm not bidding to com compete against somebody on a job to build a house. So like, I can't relate to that directly. Um, but in my industry, dude, I started my YouTube channel, uh, March of 2014. And if you've followed my YouTube channel at all, it is a straight how to channel. Like, yeah. I literally teach people to do everything I do. Like, I don't hide hardly anything. And I don't hide anything on purpose either. I just haven't shown some things that I haven't realized I haven't shown. Like, I think I have just shy of 400 videos on my YouTube channel. Some of them are our products that we launched. Our, we launched our own product line. And um, some of those videos are just how to use our own products. Um, but right. I would say probably 80 to 90% of those videos are literally me showing people exactly how I do what I do so that they can do it themselves at home. So I saw the world differently. Like when I first started, um, those guys who used to polish in the truck stop parking lot, I walked up to one of them and asked them like, how are you doing that? Like watching that shine happen. I was like, this is intriguing. And I asked them, how do you do that? And the guy was like, get bent. And I've talked, yep. I've talked, yeah. I've talked to that guy years later. And I was like, why were you such a prick? He's like, honestly, I didn't want anybody in the industry. He goes, cause if you're in the industry, that's taking food off of my plate. I'm like, right. I've never looked at it that way. Like I've taught 
I've taught some of my local competitors. Like I also do a training program here at my, at my shop. Like I will mm-hmm. teach polishers hands-on how to use everything they need to do to polish. Right. Um, everything from grinders to pressure and technique to the business side, how to, how to treat your customers, how to bid a job, that kind of stuff. I teach everybody everything. I'm a full hands-on class and I've trained some of my local competitors, guys that are competing in the same market, the same fishbowl I'm in right here locally. And yeah. honestly, I don't see them as competitors, not because I think I'm better than them, but because I compete with myself more than I'll ever compete with anybody else. And maybe if I was like running out of work, it'd be a different story. <laughs> but right now there's such an abundance of work in the industry. I'm in the polishing industry is just, it's exploding. It's growing at an exponential rate. Even, even fleet guys with plastic trucks are wanting their wheels polished. I mean, it's, it's gotten out of control. All right. So uh, uh, a question I like to ask is, is uh, are you where you want to be or is there another, is there another level that you want to get to? Um, and that could come in many forms, but. You know, this moment right now, um, I am where I wanted to be um, when I was dreaming about this 10 years ago. Um okay. I am in the position that I wanted to be, but now that I'm here, um, I'm one of those overthinkers and my brain never shuts off. So now that I'm here, I'm, I've realized I'm only halfway to where I truly wanted to be in life. So mm-hmm. I'm in a good position, but I'm only halfway to where I want to be. And I'm in that, I'm in that slop struggle right now, trying to figure out how <laughs> to get to that next point again, because I'm, yeah. I wish I'd have gone to school and taken more business classes and um, more marketing classes and that kind of stuff. And I've kind of, kind of niched myself into the marketing corner. Like I'm one of the bigger followed metal polishers in the game. Um, there's one other one that passed me a couple years ago. Um, he, he found, figured out the algorithm and just blew past me. But other yeah. than that, like I'm, I'm one of the bigger ones and, um, I wish I'd have taken more marketing stuff because um, I think the marketing and the business side is what's going to push me to move even further. And honestly, I've debated going back to like a technical college and just taking some business classes or some marketing classes just to kind of get caught up on the new stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm 40 years old. I just turned 40 last year. Um, I'm not young, but I don't feel old yet either. So I don't feel like I'm dejected from social media, but following the trends of the algorithm every month is like, and especially in the trades, like, like right now, Instagram's pushing reels really hard. And it's like, dude, I don't dance and shake my ass when I'm out in the shop, you know, like maybe you, maybe you should, I guess so. That's what Instagram wants. But, uh, you know, I, um, I, I look at it like, how do I get my business um, Evans detailing and polishing or the time to shine product side. How do we create reels that won't water down my following that they're not going to still be able to relate to it because the industry that I tailor to is still older. Yeah. Um, the bulk of my polishing business still comes from Facebook because a yeah. lot of the older guys aren't on Instagram or TikTok. you know, um, some of the new guys that are up and comers, they're on TikTok and Instagram. So I have to have to build content for all three platforms plus YouTube still. So, well, it's interesting because if it give you a little peace of mind, as you know, I went back for schooling in, in business and, and marketing. Um, what I found out was the business side was great. Like that, 
how to build a business and you know the finance the accounting all that stuff is like yeah you got to know it right understand yep. it. the marketing what i found out it was um behind the times right we were learning about surveys and we were learning about um you know billboard advertising and everything so so actually what you're doing is more cutting edge than than you're giving yourself credit for um the social the fact that like you're on social media and even giving it a go and and been pretty successful at it. Now yeah. it's just now it's network, right? Now it's yeah. now it's working with your network to say, hey, how can I make this bigger? And to be honest with you, I mean, not that I'm going to dissect your business because I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking sure. about. But anyway, <laughs> when, I, when, when it comes to like TikTok and Instagram, I feel like for us in the automotive industry, the Facebook is actually where we want to be right like that yeah. that is that is where people will have uh reviews about you know the work we've done and what have you and it, it actually caters to that customer base that's that's really just trying to get on to the to to social media yeah um i don't i don't know how much tiktok would drive your business specifically maybe the car care product side of things but yeah on um, the product side for sure it helps a lot yeah but know. but uh like your day-to-day -day, like clients and I don't think it would add up to a hill of beans. Yeah, honestly, I I think you're right, I, and that's always been my concern. Is like, so I look at other. I don't. I try not to bring any other polishers down at all, but I look mm -hmm. at like how many followers everybody has, just to kind of get like a gauge of what the industry looks like, right? And most polishers are like twenty thousand followers or less, and there's yeah. the one exception of um, like two other polishers that are in the hundreds of thousands, but mine's like 56,000 or something like that. And that's not a small milestone, by the way. No, that's, it's, that's, it's not like in it. I'm sitting at like 2,800 and I'm fucking loving it. <laughs> yeah, so I, and I've been on Instagram for a long time. Like I got into, I got an Instagram early when it was yeah. easy to figure out. Like all you had to do is put in the right hashtags and yeah. it put you in, put you in their search feed and you were getting found really easy back then dude it was easy for me i figured out the algorithm early i built a good following early and now a lot of these polishers are just putting out reels non-stop one after the other and it's just them polishing in the background with gary v talking over the top or somebody else talking over the top of some inspirational shit and their stuff is all blowing up they get 100,000 200,000 followers and it's like okay the followers are cool, right? Everybody wants to see that big number, but yeah. at the same time, it goes back to what is your ROI? Like how many of those people watching your stuff are going to convert to customers, whether it's mm -hmm. through polishing or selling product or whatever, whatever have you, right? So out of that 56,000, I can tell you how many of them buy product from me. And I can right. tell you, I can tell you how many of them come back on a regular basis to purchase product from me. They're, they become loyal customers and you can usually tell by your likes, you know, and I try not to gauge it on likes too much because people can boost their posts and, you know, yeah. pay, pay more money for more likes. But honestly, I don't, I don't do any paid advertising, none. And I probably should at some point, cause it would help us sell more product, but, yeah. um, at the end of the day, I wanted to see how organic our growth could be, right? And we just launched our own product line two years ago, and it has exploded in since we launched it right at COVID, March 2020. <laughs> and uh, it just exploded. Everybody, we are lucky. Everybody was cleaning stuff at home and doing stuff by themselves. 
and we sold a ton of product, got a lot of people hooked, and it worked out really well. But um, well, that know. makes a that, that makes a lot of sense because I mean, for the automotive industry, it was the challenge of how we go from the carburetor to to the PCM, right? So we've yep. we've gone from mechanical to now we're using digital and and uh, computer computer programming to run the vehicle. Yep. A lot of people phased out, right? That was just too much for them to comprehend, right? Yep. And now I yep. think for businesses, you know, we're in the digital age, right? And yep. now it's like when 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 the person from from the from the town local paper is like, "Hey, you want to put you want to do the ad that you did last year?" and it's like I don't even know if it's worth it anymore, right? Because yeah. nobody I mean, how many people pick up the penny saver or or the Uncle Henry's or whatever the 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 thing may be in in your area? Yeah. And so now it's now your crossroads here is, is how do I, how do I get to the next level? How do I advertise on social media? How do I get my product out there? And that's I think exactly that's a, it. that's a, that's a big challenge. I mean, um, but yeah, it seems like to some degree you have a leg up. Um, and yeah, and I got, I got lucky. I got in early. I started my Facebook yeah. page really early. Like yeah. I, I started it right away. Like if you scroll back through my Facebook stuff and look in like the beginning, like when I first started polishing, <laughs> dude, I left it all there. Like I know a lot of people that have deleted their old stuff because they don't want people to see what they used to do. Dude, I left yep. it there. Like if somebody takes the time to scroll all the way back on Facebook to the beginning, dude, I was not a great polisher. And <laughs> arguably there's still people out there that say I'm still not a great polisher now. But um, in the beginning, dude, I was a terrible polisher. I'll be the first to admit it. Like I'm, yeah. I look back at my beginning pictures and I'm like, I cannot believe people paid me to do that. Right. But like I, there was no schooling to teach people how to do what I do when I started. Um, there was two guys on YouTube that had a YouTube channel um, on how to metal polish. And if you watch those two guys channels, they weren't teaching you how to polish. They were scamming you into buying something like yeah. that's all it was. And I watched a lot of their videos and I don't, I, I'm like, I can't figure out what they're doing and how they're doing that. I'm like, that really is what sparked me starting my own YouTube channel was if you go back to, I'm looking at it right now. I started with 364, I have 364 videos in my first video was a Hollywood and dead concert. But after that, when I started posting up, uh, like the actual how to polish stuff, yeah. like the first few videos are me just learning a new process and showing people me doing the process. Like there, I, I think I had a GoPro hero three, and I just set it on my chair so people could watch that right. that wide angle frame, and uh, yeah, literally, it's it's just me walking through my process with people watching. And some of it wasn't great, some of it turned out really good while I was doing it. But now, in the in the recent years, I've started reshooting those old videos because now I have a better process and yeah. I can explain in more depth of like how what you've seen in those old videos works now because now I understand the chemistry and the science behind it I can break that down and explain it to them better um but yeah there's there's some old videos in there that if you watch you're like dude <laughs> this guy got paid to do what he did hey like, but really? you know what you know what that's actually I mean it's also humbling it's it's um I mean you should have seen my first welds you should have seen my first yeah I don't know I mean there's there's stuff that I don't care to mention but at yep. the same time um, I'm happy that I progressed from, um, you know, being, uh, I guess a hack mechanic all the way up yeah. to be, 
to doing it right and then and beyond. And that's a little discouraging too because as I as I watch some of these these new these new up and comers, whether it be in the automotive, whether it be carpentry or whatever, and watch them get shredded for trying yeah. something new and doing it the wrong way. That's not the way just, we do it. That's not the way we no, do it. No, 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 no. Don't do it. Don't do something new. That's not the way we do it. Oh God, I, I hate hearing that. I, I'm just like, why did you even take the time to to drive? Like, I, I don't, I don't know. It, 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 it bugs the crap out of me because it's, it's now you, now you're sitting there discouraging them from posting again right which mm-hmm. if there is any good feedback like that could better their game to what now that third post or that third yeah. project they do is that yeah. much better and and it's it's wild i mean um i mean some people do deserve to you know <laughs> put the welder down shit. and try plumbing like. <laughs> but, well i mean it's some safety stuff or whatever but like i mean i don't know how many times i've stood on the top rung of a ladder in a video and then people are like oh it's an ocean violet tell me you have never stood on the top rung of a ladder to do something right oh yeah and i'm not saying it's smart i'm not saying anything i'm just saying that you can say with all honesty that you were tied off you didn't you know you know what i mean it's like come on man i get i get people hammer me once in a while they're like oh my god you posted that video without a respirator on i'm like dude i don't polish without a respirator on i only do it in my videos like if i have to talk while i'm doing something or guys are like i can't believe you're not using a handle i'm like so and so in their youtube videos they always use a handle because it's safer i'm like you know what i wish you could go to a show and see that guy do work because i've never seen him use a handle like (laughs) He does it for the video so that it looks better. Like, jeez. I've also got my hand I'm wrapped up. Real. I've also got my hand wrapped up in a grinder and still did the same exact thing that I was doing prior to. Dude, so. me too. I, I was, uh, I was polishing. I think it was uh, the back of a tank, and uh, I was just in the zone that day, and I like <laughs> wasn't paying attention exactly. And dude, that grinder's trying to kill you all day long. It's trying <laughs> yeah. to kill you. And I, my cord was stuck on something and I gave it a little flick with my wrist and that cord got caught in my buff and it wrapped my arm up right by my shoulder. And I literally had the buff so close to my face. I could hear it like <laughs> pulling on my hair at that point. That's and I terrible. yelled over, I yelled over to the guy on the other side. I'm like, I need you to get over here right now. Cause I couldn't find the plug to unplug it. <laughs> and the buffer's running like right next to my face. I mean, literally could have cut my head off, but yeah, it, uh, just one, one simple mistake. And it was. It was uh, oh, yeah. I, it was wrapped up so tight. My arm was like pigeon back, and I my arm turned blue instant. Like there was no blood flow at all. The cord had wrapped Jeez. so tight, I couldn't move that's, it. And they crazy. had to take the buff, spin it off, and then bring it down. And I'm like, dude, no matter what I'd have been doing, I could have been holding a handle. I could have had a. You can't have safety guards on the grinders when we're doing it. No, no. So like, first thing that comes off. Honestly, I I wonder, like, <laughs> I hope this doesn't flag it, but. I, I often wonder like what OSHA would think about a metal polishing shop because you, you can't run a safety guard over the buff. Like no. the safety guard would hit and it would hit the buff and it would hit the part that no, you're working you know, on. And you know what, and, and you know what that would do? That would actually increase time because now you're unbolting every part to, to polish it. You know when what you I mean? Can. Of, There's a lot of stuff you can't unbolt. You know, it's a lot of stuff that so like, I'm not a mechanic. Trying to take the fuel lines off a tank that's been yeah. on there for 20 years, you know? No shit, right? I mean, it'd be crazy. But yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting when that time comes. But yeah, for right now, I'm pretty fortunate. 
<laughs> awesome, awesome. So good luck with the social media endeavor, and obviously the network is is really where it's at. Just learning learning from other people what their what their next move is and how they do it um, is is crazy. So as you as people watch your metal polishing videos, you should watch their marketing. And, and, yeah, and, I'm, I'm gonna start for sure. <laughs> um, but hey, enough of work. Outside of everything, um, where what? How do you unwind? Oh man, I uh, I love riding motorcycle. It's one of my it's one of my go tos in the summer. Um, I got I got two different bikes. I have a a sport bike and I have a cruiser. Um, yeah. My oldest daughter she loves going on on cruises. She just loves going on rides. My wife she gets nervous when we go out on the highway and stuff. But my oldest dude she would ride on the bike with me for a thousand miles. I may actually take her on a trip this summer. Just her and I go out on the bike for you know a week or something and just go on a ride. But um, I have a sport bike too. When I'm riding by myself, I, I love the adrenaline um, of hugging curves and going fast. And um, sport biking's fun. In the winters are primarily my slower time, so I get to do a lot more of my unwinding in the winter. Um, I'm stuck in the office like all winter long. We do polish a lot of wheels, and I'm still out there. But um, I in the winter is when I do most of my my social media stuff and right. uh, try to get myself set up for the year. But I always try to take one trip in the winter. Um, I started doing um, um, deep powder snowmobiling. Um, dude, it is one of the gnarliest things you'll ever do. Like, I I, I truly love it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I always go with a guide so that they keep you out of the, like, avalanche areas and stuff. But yeah. um, next year, I, I'm going to go to Canada to Whistler. I, I watch everybody snowmobile in Whistler, and it looks like the coolest place on the planet. And I, I'm going to go next year. I'm going to go ride it's, the mountains out there. It's wild that you said that because my hay guy, so I actually live on a farm, but my hay guy comes from Canada, and he said he was out doing deep powder stuff. And he goes, you know, it's 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 literally one wrong move, and you're you're done. I mean, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't, I like, I will make that wrong move, so I don't want to be done. <laughs> you know, but, I mean, like just talking about like like close to trees that there's actually not a lot of support there and you could be eight feet ten feet down and machine on top of you i, I don't know you big you know brass I, ones you got we've been we've been in some pretty sketchy situations but it was never anything that i was like okay i feel uncomfortable like this feels unsafe yeah. um i went to uh togety lodge which is in the tetons yeah um and I went there three years in a row with a, a group of buddies. The first year, I went in cocky as all get out. I was like, dude, I, I've ridden everything power sports. Like, I've ridden snowmobiles my whole life. Um, I've ridden jet skis, boats, cars, fast cars, fast bikes. Yeah. I was like, this is going to be fine. Deep powder can't be any different. Dude, I went out there that first year and got whooped. Like, I was ill-prepared. I was nowhere near ready for the learning curve I was about to hit. And, right. Dude, I had so much fun. Uh, the first year I was not great. I finally figured out how to turn like the last day and finally got to enjoy like the last day. And then, um, the second year I went out, I got even better, had a lot of fun, rode hard, uh, got myself into some tricky situations and managed to get myself out. That was a lot of yep. fun. And then the third year, dude, it, it was a whole nother, it was a whole nother ballpark. Like I was doing stuff, getting into places that I I had probably no business being in but <laughs> dude it's it's so much fun like there's a ton of horsepower long track yeah. um in the snow sucked that year like we there wasn't great snow out there and the last day we finally found like a really nice 
chunk of powder that we could go and play in and we were climbing hills and carving in between trees and having a good time. But um, yeah, Whistler, I know Whistler's a whole nother beast, but at the same time, I, I really want to climb a mountain sometime. It'd be, it'd be a lot of fun. The highest I think I've been elevation wise is like 14,000, I think is the one day we were at like 14,000 at the one point we were at. Nice. That's crazy. Well, yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> you should try it sometime. Next to, <laughs> next to skydiving, it's one of the biggest adrenaline rushes you can take. These are two things I don't want to do. Um, no, but that's that's awesome. I mean, um, hey, anything to keep the blood flowing, right? Dude, I've gone skydiving eight times. I think it's either seven or eight times. And every time it's just, it's a whole nother rush. Like I, my wife and I took my parents to hold. And uh, I decided one morning we were, I was just going to go get on a plane and jump out <laughs> off of Hawaii. And, wow. dude, it was the most beautiful thing I've ever done in my entire life. It's That's crazy. It's just a whole nother rush. <laughs> All right. Well, that's awesome. We have gotten to know Evan and the metal polishing all the way through to skydiving in Hawaii. Um, <laughs> but is there anything that you want to plug at this point in time uh, where they can find you for training? where they can find your product, let me know. Yeah, um, goshineon.com is where we sell all of our products. Our products are called Time to Shine products. Um, we developed them ourselves, and uh, they're all based on what I needed to run my business and what I needed to survive in the business, and I wanted quality stuff that I wanted to use in my shop physically every day. Um, so everything is there on goshineon.com. My YouTube channel is youtube.com slash Evan Stager Metal Polishing. That's S-T-E-G-E-R Metal Polishing. Um, and I heard you say earlier that you were, you were in the military. I was. Um, I started a charity, um, I want to say eight or nine years ago. Um, I myself didn't have the balls to join the military. I was... Uh, a lot of people would uh, call it a word that starts with a P, um, but I was uh, I was not built for doing the military, and okay. um, I I have a lot of respect for the military, and sure. uh, my industry is a luxury, and I understand that not many countries get to do metal polishing because they're not in free countries. They don't they don't have they don't have those free trades that we have here because the government the military gave us these freedoms, right? Um, so I started a charity, uh, it's called babes and big rigs. Um, I take pictures with pretty girls with semis and we use the money to raise money in our area for wounded veterans in our, in our own community. Um, over the last eight years, we have gotten a hundred families back on their feet that have come home from, um, anywhere. I don't care if it was Vietnam, Korea, Iraq. Iran, any of those, if you came back and you live in our community and you need help to get back on your feet, whether it was get your house payments covered or pay off some bills to get yourself back on your feet, our charity has done that. We've helped manage, we've managed to help get a hundred families back on their feet. And honestly, I wish, I wish more people would give back to their communities and help their surrounding communities. Cause you'd be surprised. Like I've had some veterans in our area that needed a thousand dollars and it changed their life or, three thousand dollars and it changed their life like you don't need yeah. huge sums of money to help some of these guys get back on their feet and i respect you and thank you for what you did for us and what you're continuing to do now well uh hats off to you i mean support comes from home and we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing 
um, whether it's home or abroad. And, um, you know, thanks for welcoming with open arms when we come back. And um, sometimes it's not easy, but uh, it's a true testament to people like you that um, potentially will give us a job when we come back. A hundred percent. Dude, I'm always hiring. I'm always hiring. Blue collar is always hiring. That's it. That's it. I'm sure you get some good metal polishers out of there. Oh, but, I'm um, hoping sooner or later. Yeah. All right. Well, this is the end of it. Evan, thanks for being on. And, uh, you know, good luck with your future endeavors. And thank you. I appreciate you having us on. And as a special thanks to our loyal listeners, we're giving $10 off your next purchase of $60 or more at bruntworkwear.com. Use discount code BUCKETTALK10. That's BUCKETTALK10. 